0: This is the Bearcast presented by Bird Colchian Ford. Bird Calhoun Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number 1 selling truck in Texas 43 years running. The Bearcast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com, 365 Sports. I'm Craig Smoke, 365 Sports host, site writer, joined as always by Grayson Grunhafer, uh, Sikkim365.com. And we come to you following another disappointing loss for Baylor football last Thursday night in Morgantown, West Virginia, 43-40 at the hands of the Mountaineers. Baylor now 3-3 three three on the year and 1-2 and in conference play. West Virginia now 3-3 three and three on the year, 1-2 and two in conference play. And instead of bringing up the back of the standings, they are now at least ahead of Baylor moving forward uh, as their records remain the same. But, of course, now West Virginia with a tiebreaker and the head-up win. And from here on out, it will be six more games, and we'll see if there's any more after that. But uh, for the time being, uh, Baylor back at home and now hosting Kansas Uh, With or without Jalen Daniels, most likely without, but uh, they're going to probably keep that a little bit of a secret, much like Baylor will probably not reveal too much around Blake Shapen and exactly how healthy they are going into Saturday. So a lot in play since we last talked to you. Again, Craig Smoke with you, Grayson Grunhafer and Grayson, uh, man, tough outing in Morgantown and here we are and the Bears back at home and kind of in need of a win here.
1: Yeah, the Bears continuing to just find ways to lose football games. I mean, it's just been a common trend, right? And in the two seasons that they had these, you know, epic runs, which were 2019 and 2021, the thing that those two teams had in common were they were able to win the close games and they were able to not shoot themselves in the foot and lose games. And, you know, this one was just, um, it was really tough to watch. And I tweeted after the game, like, this wasn't Baylor football, what I saw on Thursday night. Like, the defense was just, they look lost. Um, The turnovers, the special teams blunder once again. I mean, everything that could go wrong did. Um, And even though there were some bright spots, the overwhelming thought after the game was, what is going on with this team? Because that performance was just, it was not very good at all.
0: Yeah, I don't want to go over the entire game because there's 83 points scored, and that would just take like an hour and a half to get through every single, you know, wave of what happened. Um, But, you know, basically on the the Baylor side of things, 300-plus yards from Blake Shapin, who was very effective um, but had a bad turnover, uh, just dropping the football, turned into a scoop and score for West Virginia that completely flipped the momentum and probably the outcome of that game, quite frankly. So his one mistake, if you want to call it that, uh was massive uh despite how well he actually played uh then of course he gets hurt and knocked out of the game Kyron Jones comes in plays relatively well he has a really bad turnover and then late just young man the clock's running like you got to do something and instead they just run out the clock basically to end the game even though at that point it was you know low percentage but still it was just you know you got to be aware of those things um so, quarterback. I think overall, you probably say thumbs up, but like a couple of things that were, you know, leaning it more towards the the middle. But uh, that wasn't the issue overall. Was quarterback play, uh, running game pretty ineffective uh, once again. Uh, ending up with less than 200 yards. They have no real number one running back. It's just, like, your guess is good, as good as mine as to who's going to get a carry at any given moment. Like, there's no real fluidity, it feels like, a real formula. And I'm sure they have one, but it's just hard for us at home to really gather because it's just like, is Squirrel there or not? Uh, okay, well, squirrel, Richard,
1: Squirrel got hurt. No, so I, yeah,
0: yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, though, at any given time, mm-hmm. like, is he healthy? Why has he only got two carries? Or And now we know, yeah, he's hurt because we saw him on the ground and out, but... Um, you know, I think there are people wondering, like, where's Richard Reese at one point? And then, mm-hmm. uh, is Qualen now? You know, like, there's that whole thing going on. Um, Receiving-wise, Gavin Holmes was a monster, had a huge, huge game. Uh, outside of that, um, you know, Drake Dabney had a really nice night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monterey Baldwin had a couple of balls, and that was about it. And, you know, that was the the Baylor offense uh,
1: for, I guess, starters kind of dipping into this side of the game. Yeah, so, I mean, I did want to highlight that that turnover by Shapen because it, it's big enough to – to kind of examine on a little further. So yeah, there's 416 left um, in the second quarter and Blake Shapen pops off that huge um, pass to Gavin Holmes for 46 yards. They get to the West Virginia 26. It's first and 10 with 241 left in the half. You gotta take care of the football. I mean, you're just gonna run the ball. You're either gonna score a touchdown there or kick a field goal and then you go to half. You're either up 24 to 10 or 20 to 10 at halftime and you're, in my eyes, feeling so much better. I know they end up scoring before half, so it's 24-17, so you still have the seven-point lead, but I think that gave West Virginia just this renewed confidence, and um, they got the crowd back into it, and Baylor had just been moving up and down the field until that moment. that was a huge play, and I do feel like if that play doesn't happen, Baylor probably runs away with this game, to be honest with you, um, the way the offense was playing. So just wanted to highlight that really quickly. I felt like offensively they were really good, though. I mean, oh, yeah, 326 yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, you know, you mentioned the receivers that got involved. Um, there are quite a few of them. I know Ben Sims had a rushing touchdown as well, so he got involved in, in that space, but... I felt like overall, Shapen was really in control of this offense. It was the best game I've seen him play to date outside of the first half against Oklahoma State. Um, He was just money, um, and he was moving them up and down the field on the road in Morgantown. He really gave you this sense of comfort and confidence that they were going to continue moving the football the entire game. Like, with him in, it really felt like they could score 50-something points on the road. Um, He was playing that well. Um, And, of course, he gets banged up, and it's just really unfortunate. I know Kyron came in and played well, but, you know, here's the difference. Kyron Drones 6.8 yards per completion. Blake Shapen was at 14.8 yards per completion. It was ridiculous what he was doing. Um, But, sadly, he gets hurt, and then everything kind of collapses because, once again, Baylor is a good-running football team, but their identity is being a great-running football team, and they are not that. And that was a huge hindrance for this team. I felt like one shape went one out, um, but not the only hindrance because obviously their problems on the other side of the ball were just baffling. <laughs>
0: Yeah in the first half I mean West Virginia got on the board early uh, right out of the gates basically uh 7 nothing and you're kind of like uh oh cuz Baylor did nothing and then here's West Virginia and so it's 7 nothing they're able to manage a field goal after 71 play or 71-yard drive, excuse me, 40-yarder for John Mayers. That was your first quarter, 7-3. A little bit disappointing at that point. The offense just flipped it on. You had the Sims touchdown run to cap off a drive that you're talking about. That was very quick, two and a half minutes, 85 yards, and boom, all of a sudden it's 10-7. Another score uh, three minutes later, you hit Gavin Holmes for a huge pass of 35. 3 place, 70-yard drive, a minute 23. It's like, boom, the burners are on and here's Baylor football the way you've been waiting for it to be. And then, yeah, give up the field goal, give up the fumble return for a touchdown, and all of a sudden it's 17-17. to 17. And uh, fortunately, you're able to scrape together a really nice score right before the half when Craig Williams was actually healthy and you hit him on a big pass, and you at least went in somewhat respectably because you were able to score there at the end. But, yeah, what should have been – or what was a very one-sided second quarter, especially because of one turnover turned into a one-point or a, a one-score lead at halftime. So um, that – was first, my, my first kind of moment of, uh uh-oh, this is still a little bit too close for comfort, and they're at home, you know, or they're on the road, I mean, and uh, West Virginia's at home, and that fumble return, like, you could just feel like you gave them, like, a bonus life, like, in a video game. It's like they were ready to be put out of their misery already at halftime, and then that play happened, and it was like the whole thing turned around and flipped on its head, so in the second half, um, you know, it was a matter of just building on that lead if you could, and Unfortunately, they weren't able to ever get away. Uh, West Virginia tied it up, and uh, did so right pretty much out of the gates. In the second half, Hal Presley caught a short two-yard pass after Shaping got knocked out of the game. Uh, in the third quarter, Drones able to put together a touchdown drive, to his credit. That was on
1: fourth down, that conversion that was, to Presley. That was a huge play.
0: Fourth down yeah. play was kind of like, is this the game, basically, or yeah. not in the third quarter, and they convert and score. and That was huge, absolutely massive for this team. Uh, But then give up another touchdown uh, to end the third quarter, and West Virginia reties the game. So it's 31 all heading into the fourth. And uh, Quaylon Jones able to uh, run in in from four yards out. Uh, And then uh, what happened here? It was the – The
1: PAT that was
0: How would you even describe the special teams errors this (laughs) season – uh, you line up, you're feeling good about everything. You've, you know, kicked off the fourth quarter with a score to retake the lead, and you've quieted this crowd somewhat that really was not in the game whatsoever no. again until that fumble return, and even then you knocked them back out of it. But it's like you kept giving the road crowd every reason to stay in the game. Like, I just could I It's just, just like, you're making it so hard on yourselves. They wanted
1: to yell, fire Neil Brown. They, they were ready. They, they were Like, ready. the crowd showed up yeah.
0: apathetic. They didn't care. this like, you, we tried to build it up like they were going to be ready for it. And, and I was even wrong in that. Like, West Virginia fans were not, like, riled up and ready for this. They were basically, like, going to a funeral. And it's like, every time you started throwing dirt on the grave, it's like, Baylor's like, nuh-uh. Like, here, let's get that out of the way for you. Uh, so they, you know, go up and, and score to take the lead. Grayson and then uh yeah blocked extra point return for two uh guy just basically goes right up the middle unblocked uh, I've still I've, I've seen the video somebody pointed out to me I have no idea what was going on in that play and I I don't know man um there's just like no effort that
1: was to be had on the block uh in, in that extra point and I think it was stills too right I think it was their best player uh who blocked it Jacoby Spells oh spell. okay yeah. it wasn't stills okay um I that's listed. I guess he ran it
0: back. I don't know if Stills maybe blocked it. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall. Well, I'm just
1: saying that because I think Stills literally just right up the middle. Well, their best player. You didn't. Block whoever it, it was
0: yeah. went up right up the middle, unblocked. <laughs> so I mean, who? Yeah, whoever you want to point the block towards. Uh, I don't recall right off the top of my head, but all I recall is the video I watched of whoever the Baylor lineman was just not ever even moving and the spot that he was in exactly being the spot where the ball gets blocked. So I still haven't seen a proper explanation for what happened there, Um, but just more bad special teams is killing this team, and um, that's been the case pretty much all year at this point. And, uh, you know, I'd say it's going to change, but I don't have a lot of faith in that, honestly, at this point uh, because it keeps happening. So blocked extra point gets run back for two. All of a sudden, instead of being up, 38-31, 38 31, you're up only 37 to 33. And then uh, West Virginia turns right around and just shoves it down your throat
1: basically. Well, I mean, yeah, but they they had the turnover on downs the very next drive. Who? West Virginia. After they blocked the extra point, okay, West yeah, Virginia you're right. drives down the oh, field. Yeah, I'm in the Baylor wrong spot gets here. an awesome fourth down stop. And once again you're seeing they're like, oh, that this is game. Because they're not getting a stop, no way and then you turn right around, Quaylon Jones fumbles the football. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm looking
0: at the wrong uh, chart here. So, yes, uh, Baylor scores, blocked extra point, stops West Virginia on downs, and then, yes, two plays into that drive. Quayland Jones, I mean, it was a good hit, but, like, it, it was a good hit, but – you know, at that point in the game, given your responsibility, there is no excuse for fumbling the football in that situation. At but the West
1: Virginia 28, you got a young quarterback. Yes. You just need to grind out this drive, score with five minutes left, go up by 42-33, put the game away, and Fump puts the ball on the turf. And
0: instead, they hold on to the ball for all of 46 seconds, and West Virginia gets it right back six plays later. They're able to uh, run it in from 34 yards out on second down and 10 as they made Tony Mathis look like an all-Big 12 running back. Uh, So they take the lead 40-37. to Things looking dire here. Both teams trade interceptions, which was very fortunate that Baylor basically threw the game away, and then West Virginia's like, no, you've given us so much. We'll give you at least one ray of hope here at the end, and they throw the pick to Dylan Doyle. Um, Baylor manages a field goal to tie things up. Uh, And then a field goal by West Virginia after an eight-play 61-yard drive uh, gets them into territory. And uh, Casey Legg's able to boot one through uh, from 22 yards out. And uh, that was basically all she wrote As Baylor tried to do something with it, unable to, and uh, that was it, 43-40. to Uh, That field goal by Casey Legg, the game winner there with – not much time remaining under 30 seconds or just a little over 30 seconds to go and uh, just, just not enough there remaining for Kyron Drones to do anything. And and I don't know that they really had a well-thought-out plan with 30 seconds left because it didn't seem like it. It was just kind of like the clock just ran out basically there at the end. Uh, and it was you know a long shot that they would be able to, I guess, you know, Get into territory,
1: I suppose. But still, it was a bit disjointed, uh, that effort there at the very end. Yeah, it was. But, you know, I just go back to that sequence that we kind of talked about. That interception by Kyron, you have the ball. It's second and eight at the uh, West Virginia 19, and it just – you can't make that throw. Yeah. Like, you you just can't make that throw, a, a terrible throw. If you kick field goal and then get an interception, you're in a much better situation. But either way, throws a terrible interception. Ball should have been thrown out of bounds. Doesn't happen. Obviously, JT Daniels gives it back to Dylan Doyle. But this drive, this drive right here where John Mayers hits 44-yard field goal, Baylor goes four plays in a minute 32 and went absolutely nowhere. Yep. You had so many chances. You've been dialing up a great game plan, and you come out with an opportunity to win the game with three twelve left, and you get zero yards, and you force a 44-yard field goal. Like, you could have won the game still. They gave you an opportunity to win this game, and Baylor couldn't take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, first and 10 at the West Virginia 26-yard line. Richard Reese run for a loss of four. Second and 14, Kyron Jones passed for four yards to Ben Sims. So you just buy third downer right where you started the drive at. And then Kyron Jones pass incomplete. So, yeah, loss of four, gain of four, incomplete pass, 44-yard field goal. That started at the West Virginia 26-yard line and ended up in a field goal from 44 yards out, kicked from the West Virginia 26-yard line. Yep.
1: It gave you another chance. I mean, it, it was. Yeah. It gave you a chance to win this game. Didn't take advantage of it. That was the. I mean, Baylor gave them chances to win the game. I, I'm not, you know, disputing that. But Baylor had an opportunity late in this game to just say, you know what, we're going to handle business now. We've messed around too much, and they couldn't get it done. The offensive line couldn't get it done. Kyron Drones couldn't get it done. Um, it didn't come together. Mayor's made a great field goal, and that's awesome. Um, But at the end of the day, they need a touchdown there. They need to win this game right then and there, and they couldn't do it. And so just a, I mean, truly disappointing effort. We haven't even really talked about the fact that literally every time we've talked about a bad Baylor play, it's West Virginia touchdown, West Virginia touchdown. I mean – the defense was just dreadful. Yeah, I mean, uh, we
0: can unpack it however we want to, but that being such a high-scoring game, it's like let's run through kind of the highlights and lowlights there, and as you can tell, the somber reaction to running through that there, it's like, yeah, there were some good plays. Gavin Holmes played well. uh, Blake Shapin played well. But outside of that, it was pretty much a horror show of mistakes and just miscues, and um, overall in particular, offense was great. Uh, Defense was unable to get off the field. And when they did, they got no help on, you know, whoever was rolling in right after them, whether it be special teams or the offense. Like, this team just does not play complimentary football very well. Um, and you give credit to West Virginia. Like, Tony Mathis had a big game. JT Daniels made some tough plays. He had all day, uh, basically, to sit back there. But, you know, their defense made some stops, got a couple turnovers, and, you know, you give credit to them. But, man, I mean, when I say that this crowd was not into this game at all at the start and the Baylor basically forced West Virginia into having a hot crowd, um, that's the truth. And that was just mind-boggling to me. But, yeah, a very winnable game, which is uh, something we've repeated ad nauseum this year, it feels like. But we've done it, you know, at least three times now at this point. And not trying to be too negative – it's, uh, it's far more frustrating than, for them than it is for us just being observers of it. But um, there's not really a whole lot of ways to be other than negative following that particular game because that was just – that was – how could you not be negative after that game? I mean, truly, it was it was as frustrating as it gets, I think, for everybody watching on Thursday night. And another one where you go, should have won that one and uh instead here you are now at three and three and we've been saying it for like week after week now at this point but look you're halfway through the year like there really is no no wiggle room here uh anymore I mean you've you've basically used it up at this point if you wanted some wiggle room like now you have no choice but to go exactly what you did the first half of the season I guess arguably a tougher schedule to even make a bowl game at this point so
1: um yeah just uh A game where you're kind of left banging your head against the wall a little bit. Yeah, and definitely not arguably because you got to play Albany and Texas State uh, for two of those wins. But, yeah, I mean, this is as bad as it gets. And once again, here we go. We're going to sit here and go uh, Baylor had zero sacks again. Um, So, once again, they're not influencing opposing quarterbacks at all. They had one QB hurry. I mean, I'm just going to go forward with the belief that this is just who they are pass rushing and I know last year they got off to a slow start I understand that but by this point last season they had shifted that um, because they had six sacks against West Virginia at this same point last year um they need to figure out a new strategy because what they're doing right now is not working getting after the quarterback and that was probably the number one reason why they lost this game well, a yeah, Miss lot tackles, tackles, yeah I mean there bad was a lot timing too.
0: with the turnovers yeah
1: yeah at the missed tackles were um, something that we haven't seen from this team. Oh, no, that May was Miranda. pathetic. I mean, it, really. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I want to make sure I'm not, like, just
0: ragging on dudes and whatnot. But, I mean, come on. Like, if you watch that game, am I really lying by ragging on the tackling here? No. And I think I'm just being
1: honest is what I'm being. And it was the same thing we saw against – well, there were a couple things. But against Oklahoma State, one huge problem Baylor was having was they were hitting the guy in the backfield or a one yard gain and somehow it was turning into three or four yards that happened once again. But in this game it was, Oh, you hit the guy in the backfield, you missed the tackle. And then it's like Tony Mathis is getting like a 20 yard gain. Um, so that was troubling. Also troubling was now it became receivers were catching the football and the secondary was missing tackles or the receiver was dragging guys across the first down marker. It just was a complete who wants it more. And, Man, last year I would have said Baylor wanted it more than every team they played. Even in their losses, they wanted it more. I haven't seen this team want it more one time this year. That's my biggest frustration
0: yeah. with this team. I'm sitting here looking at the win probability from the other night, and like as of it being seven to three West Virginia, Baylor still had a sixty percent chance to win that game up, you know, down seven to three. They are the favorites in this game the entire time by seventy percent or more, all the way from being down seven three to when they're finally – it goes 37-33, and then finally West Virginia goes up 40-37. So they were still favored the entire game. And just, you know, and then West Virginia finally takes the lead at the end and they they win the game. But, like, to your point, like, this team doesn't appear to want it. Like, they're not just – I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. Like, I don't think Dave Aranda knows how to really talk about it anymore. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here writing articles, and I'm just repeating, like, some, some of the same stuff, and it's just kind of worded differently. And then it's like, all right, maybe the game prior gave you a little bit more to chew on as far as, like, certain areas. Like, you know, obviously the defense was very much in focus this week or Blake Shapin's nice performance or, you know, whatever you want to point out, good, bad, or ugly, or whatever. But, like, the part I keep coming back to is just the the disconnect there seems to be And, you know, even Aranda this week, he's talking about how, like, you have to be careful, like, the way you communicate to guys to not be, like, too critical because then you worry about, like, just the relationship piece of it and guys taking things too hard. And, like, I think we're just at a point where we're, like, this is, like, the COVID generation. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, like, it's just beginning, I guess. And people like Aranda are trying to figure out how to, like, motivate and figure out what motivates these guys These are not Jalen Petries and Terrell Bernards. These are like a whole different breed of dudes that are, I don't know if you want to call it the NIL generation or what you want to call it. And this isn't like a personal knock on these players. It's just like there's something totally wired differently about this group Versus just a year ago. I
1: know, but that's the crazy part is how much they returned on the offensive and defensive lines. But it's true, These are the same guys, though. No,
0: I know. And that's why everybody expected what they did. But, like, dude, you listened to him yesterday, and it's very clear. Like, he has no idea what's going on. He told
1: Smokey this, which I was like, oh, this is about the worst you can possibly hear. But Mm -hmm. it's like, at some points this year, we've shown up, and guys are like, where's our championship belt? Yeah. And that's like... Oh, I mean, that's the worst thing you can possibly hear. That's what Texas has been doing for, you know, 15 years. You know, where's our championship belt just for showing up? I, it, it is, it's honestly baffling. Um, and the way they, I mean, just defensively, the things that I saw in this game, the the coverage is just not there. Like, again, we're sitting here. What are things we know about this team midway through the season? Their secondary, especially their corners, are a problem. And they don't get a pass rush. But then what we saw on this game Thursday was lack of tackling, lack of physicality, lack of motivation. In a game that really felt like a must win, and then they go up and, and just they give up 43 points. I know not all that is the defense, but as a team, they gave up 43 points to a West Virginia team that was just looking for a reason to quit. And somehow that team wanted it more than Baylor Um That's crazy. There's six games
0: in, he's still talking about having to, like, generate energy for this group. There was one particular quote I didn't – you know, there was so much he was talking about, and I tried to write it up as best I could, but it's like at some point, like, I'm sitting here at, like, 1,300 words, and I'm like, I could add another 1,000, and still it's kind of just hammering home the same point after a while. But he was talking about, in particular, the lesson that he's learned from being in year three now. And to paraphrase, basically he said um, in year three – the thing that he has to keep reminding himself is that, like, there's certain ways to, like, talk or motivate the guys and that he has to remember that, like, gosh, how did he put it? Uh, Because I don't want to paraphrase it and then, like, you know, like a mom or dad or a player hears it and then it gets all out of whack. But he basically said you basically have to, like, promise guys things, like a reward at the end of the Mm -hmm. tunnel. Like, hey, go and do your work and you'll get a cake afterwards. You have to, like, promise that or, you know – unlike Jalen Petrie or something, you'd be like, hey, go do the work, and they go do it, and, like, you didn't have to tell them, they just go and do it. Yeah. Like, with this group, it's like you have to, like, promise something at the end of the rainbow to get them motivated to go and do something. And I know that might be a generational thing, and I don't want to talk like Mr. Old here of, you know, this this group doesn't know how to, but it
1: was the way that he said it, and I'm trying to, to find it here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just based on what we saw it, does appear to be a motivation thing and it really stinks because the offense played so well especially the passing game and you just felt like it might all finally be coming together for this group um and to see just this lack of discipline lack of motivation lack of energy it it's really tough and the thing of it is is looking around the big 12 i mean if you win this game you're sitting there probably in the top three in odds to win the big 12 conference if they would have won that game and They still have a shot if they go undefeated here, but, like, I mean, it it just is becoming less and less likely.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it's very unlikely at this point. Uh, He said, in regards to what he's learned as a third-year head coach, I feel like not everyone's like me or like you, and so I think doing things, uh, something for an outside reward or doing something for what I'm going to get, I think those are things we're almost training kids to be more that way and I'm the very opposite of that in a lot of ways and so I think having the lens to see that clearly and to always be on the lookout for that I think is a strong lesson this year so basically you know having to be mindful of the reward at the end of the road for hard work is something that not necessarily he's really focused in on but now you kind of have to because that's sort of what you're dealing with now Mm -hmm. so you take that as how you will but I took that as like okay this is definitely kind of a different thing he's working with at this point and um, given the results, that's concerning. If it was, you know, five and one, you'd be like, okay, whatever works. You know, you got to do what you got to do. But, um, you know, it's not it's not working in, 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 as far as, uh, you know, finding success so far. So, so that's, a, that's a bit concerning, no doubt about it, that he can't get a pulse still or the proper kind of um, feel for what makes this team click and go. They're still trying to figure that out. The players, I don't know. I suppose we're trying to figure it out, but I kinda wonder, like to your point a second ago of like, do they care? Like I, I honestly I think people are wondering that. Is like, do they care? I think they do. I think that was a really tough loss they took the other night. I think that hurt. But like are we gonna see them coming out on fire on Saturday? Like I probably not, based on what we've seen so far, right? Yeah, I mean I I think that you'd hope so, but how many times are we gonna keep doing this? I mean, if there's
1: know? a if there's a cure, um, it's definitely still kansas sure i mean it at home i mean and i know everyone wants to say kansas is so good this year so many people have been saying that um yeah they just got bullied by oklahoma so if there is a team that you're going to turn around and be like hey we're going to out physical you we're going to maul you up front this is the one to do it um and they have you know two more games that are kind of very similar to that in regards to they should be able to win up front um, but if they don't get more physical, like if if that doesn't change this weekend, I don't know when it ever will. Um and it's really simple, this this RVO scheme, like you gotta dominate up front. You have to be the more physical football team. And Baylor was that all last year. And so now we're sitting here going, Okay, did Baylor really turn into a finesse team over one offseason?
0: Make it soft, basically. Yeah. You know, it looks like it. I mean, I, I you know, and maybe it, I mean, it's it looks Khalil like Khalil
1: Keith being gone is just really impacting them offensively. And then Abram, he, but then
0: he needs to be the MVP of the team,
1: yeah, without
0: right. having even played. If he's that much of a difference maker that they went from motivated, hungry, and physical to the point of, like, basically they've had their identity stolen from them. Their yeah. identity is now in Lubbock, the the identity that they've they've built over the last few years. That's now basically been hijacked and taken to Lubbock in so many ways. As far, I'm not saying yeah. like the results are. But, like, talk about a team that comes out with swagger, no matter who they're playing, they're going to come out hair on fire, they're going to smash you in the mouth – they're, you're going to know that you play them afterwards. It's going to be – it's not going to be some cakewalk.
1: I wouldn't call Tech the most physical team. Like, they don't really dominate you. Dude, they front. play like – okay. They play hard. We want to split hairs. Physical. They
0: play hard. That's they the point. Hard. They play okay. hard. Is this team playing hard to no, you? No, no, no. no, and that's what I'm saying is, like, you know, whether or not there's something backing it up, there's at least somebody out there who's like, you know that they are giving every single drip drop of whatever they've got, and they're leaving it all out on the field. No matter what the – no matter who the quarterback is, no matter where they're playing – and it doesn't always work, but if you and, – and there's other examples, not just that team, but they, they come to mind as far as, like, you know, that mentality that we've seen and we're familiar with. There's other ways of doing it, other, you know, things to call it. But, you know, that's entirely missing right now from this team. Like, there's not that – like, we're sitting here questioning of whether we're even going to see, like, a full effort on Saturday versus Kansas or, like, what version is going to show up. Would we have ever questioned that in the last few years? No. Never, dude. Never, even and in twenty twenty, exactly I mean, for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we didn't even know who was going to be suiting up that, and so that that yeah. what I basically that's what I think is most concerning is like where did all that go? Yeah, like, and did that go away just with one championship? Like, did all of that motivation and hunger and everything
1: go away with just right. a handful of guys to the pros? apparently so you yeah. know it's just yeah it's just very interesting when I sit here and, and I go okay so this offseason you know you made the shift to shape and, and I agreed with it I think everyone agreed with it um and you lose all these guys to the pros but it's just you know and I know Khalil Keith hasn't been there and losing Abram and Tristan like that's big for the run game but it just feels as though they are deciding that they're going to turn around and just air it out and, and be you know finesse you know that's exactly that's the only word I can you know say for it is they've decided to go from this physical pound you in the mouth football team to a hey, uh, you know what we're gonna air it out we're gonna be a finesse team we're gonna spread you out I just don't know that that I mean it's not that I don't know it clearly has not worked so whatever they did last year they need to get back to that and you can still have fun you can still throw the football and take deep shots they did that last year and they can be more explosive this year But you got to be able to run the football. And right now, what they're doing in the run game is just plain and simply shocking to me um, that it has been this mediocre for the entire year so far. It's just crazy. At least Kansas is a cure for that. But um, who knows if it will be.
0: Yeah, we have no idea if it will be or not. I mean, uh, they seem to be pretty much the favorites wherever you look uh i did see the line drop a little bit um after initially being released i haven't checked it in the last day or so but uh baylor favorites um yeah. i just it you know was
1: eight last i looked
0: but okay uh, i thought it might have dropped to like seven and a half or something but maybe it's gone back up uh, i don't pay attention to it that closely but i did notice i was curious when it varies. Very- seven now <laughs> or no okay. eight Eight, sorry. Okay, I was gonna say like, uh, but that wouldn't be surprising necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of given what what's going on. But uh, game at home, you would hope that uh, there's motivation. But again, I think we were kind of expecting that when they took the field against West Virginia, and then we didn't see that. And so that's why we're sitting here, kind of scrambling for for answers as to what ails this team, motivation wise and fire wise, and and those types of things. Because it'd be one thing if they were going out there and playing lights out you know to the wall and then West Virginia kicks the field goal and beats them you just be like man this is rotten luck but that's not what's going on it's more like they're just not coming out the the fiery way that we've kind of become used to seeing them and the play is to the point of you just kind of wonder of like how much they really even care what the result is and I think that that's a pretty damning <laughs> indictment of kind of what we've seen and being careful as to not you know make it you know, anything personal by any means, but it's just, it's a question that now looms at three and three of, okay, are they really, like, is this something that the fans want more than the the team itself? Like, are we caring too much about this? And should we just be like, Hey guys, go out there and have fun. Uh, You know, I don't, I don't know, but uh, you know, Kansas, you would think would be a a pretty good barometer. Uh, Well, Every game is, but this one is certainly the next one, and so this game will serve as the next barometer. So Grayson, uh, for Kansas, Lance Leipold and company have had a great year. Uh, It's recently taken a dip because they've lost two in a row. All this comes on the heels of losing their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, to injury. Got hurt in the TCU game um, as that was their, you know, their first blemish, and Uh, Then, you know, turn around and get beat by Oklahoma, Sands, Daniels, Uh, Jason being a come in relief against TCU, nearly took him to victory, had a rougher outing last week where he kind of resorted back to more of his his normal, had a couple of interceptions, and I think that's kind of going to be the case with him. He's good. He's not Jalen Daniels. Um, but they've got some some fun toys, and they're very well
1: coached. And, um, man, this is not the same old Kansas that we've been used to seeing. No, definitely not. And I mentioned this last week with the TCU game. I, I really felt like Jason Bean had, you know, he got the favorable option of going in after a quarterback got injured in which the other team did not prepare for you. And so he got to go in and just kind of air it out, have fun. It was at home. And he played great against TCU. He really did. I'm not even sure that Jalen Daniels could have played any better than being played in, in that particular game. But then you go to the Oklahoma game, and OU had an opportunity to scout him, prepare for him, plan for him. And they did a lot better, yet Kansas still scored 42 points. So, I mean, you know, KU can still move the football. Uh, they ran for 165 yards, which is actually... You know, OU holding any team to only 165 yards rushing has been far from the norm. Um, so that's rather interesting. Bean still threw for 265 yards and four touchdowns, but like you mentioned, the two interceptions. Um, so I think my main takeaway here is that, you know, Kansas on the year, they're averaging 39.3 points per game. They haven't really scored under that since Jalen Daniels was gone. They're still doing the same thing. So I'm anticipating Kansas to come in here and look to put up a lot of points they're going to throw the ball they're going to run the ball it'll be very balanced they're going to test Baylor's secondary quite a bit with jason being at quarterback um, and their identity is to run the football they're a wide zone offense they're going to do some of the things that baylor does offensively um, with devin neal who's a great running back and jason being at quarterback and they have some good receivers as well they
0: scored 56 in their opener against tennessee tech they scored 55 in a win at west virginia well, Somebody it, can
1: at least win in Morgantown. In fairness, the fifty-five, it was in overtime, and they uh, the pick six made it look like they had a pick six in overtime right. to end the game. So it was, you know, it yeah. was a one possession game.
0: But still, reached fifty-five points in Morgantown, yeah. West Virginia, in a win. Forty-eight on the road against Houston. Uh, 35 and a win against Duke. And then a very down-to-earth contest like only Iowa State and Iowa can give you of where you still win, but it's 14-11. to 11. Bring um, you into the muck. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's brown and, and yeah. dirty. Yeah, whatever the Iowa schools drag you into, that's for sure. Um, certainly not good offense. Uh, and then, you know, back to business, 38-31, a loss to TCU, but Daniels got hurt. And then uh, 42 points in a 52-42 loss last week to Oklahoma. So the point being, whether offensively, defensively, whatever, they can put up points outside of that Iowa State game. They've hit um, a 30-burger in every single game uh, outside of that Iowa State game. And still, they were able to win that game 14-11. to So, um, obviously, the last one and three quarters, one and a half, have been without Daniels. But, um, yeah, they're going to be able to score some points Especially if Baylor performs the way that we saw them in Morgantown, and you know, don't wrap up and don't pressure whoever the quarterback is, and are un- unable to cover in the secondary, and you know, the list go, you know can't execute on special teams, can't run the football. If all of those things hold serve, then this could get dicey. If Baylor can improve in a couple of those areas, I feel like this is their game to win at McLean Stadium. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but obviously it's it's easier said than done, not to pile on, but it's just like, yeah, this seems like it should be a win, but given what we've seen, I
1: mean, who the heck knows come Saturday, really. Yeah, and I mean, Kansas is very balanced. They throw for 232 yards per game. They run for uh, 207 yards per game, so a lot of balance there for this offense. Um, again, they have good wide receivers who are kind of – Emerging this year as the offense has improved, Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm, um, even Quentin Skinner. Those are their three top guys, Um, so good size with Arnold and Skinner, Um, both very good players. Arnold actually went to DeSoto in high school, so he's a Texas kid. Um, But yeah, they're they're very explosive, and they take shots downfield to go along with complementing their run game with Devin Neal, Kai Thomas, Daniel Hishaw. Um, They have talent offensively i mean that the only way you score 39 points per game is by having some talent um now on the flip side of that you know dave veranda hadn't given up 30 points um during his time at baylor except for what twice which was oklahoma state in 2020 and then this past uh, home game against oklahoma state as well uh, they gave up over 30 so i mean the bears have shown a track record of holding teams in check with Dave Aranda, but the past couple would not be indicative of that. So they're going to have to flip a script a little bit. Um, during this long week, remember they played on a Thursday, so they had a couple extra days compared to Kansas uh, to prepare for this game. And I'll also mention Jalen Daniels. Uh, their quarterback did not practice today, and Kobe Bryant, their top cornerback, did not practice today either. Um, so that'll be something to monitor. I don't believe Daniels is going to play. I mean, the report when he got hurt was that he was out for the year He quickly said that that's not true. Um, But there's no way someone puts out a report that he's done for the year without having some substantial evidence that he's probably going to miss a few games. At least that's how I would read unless you're just terrible at your job. yeah. Um, But that's kind of my read on the situation there for them offensively. Now, I do want to talk about their defense some. Because I think it's also important to mention, Kansas is not a juggernaut. Kansas isn't dominant on both sides of the ball by any means. And Kansas defensively, they are not good. They give up 30 points per game. That's 95th in the country. Uh, Their run defense is 70th. They give up 145.7 yards per game. Once again, Baylor needs to be able to run the football in this one. And their pass defense is 125th. They give up 293 yards per game. So once again, if Chapin's back, able to play, they should be able to move the ball no problem. And, and so therefore, I think this game's really going to come down to whether the Baylor defense can get stops or not. Because if it's the defense that we saw in Morgantown, then shoot, they might give up 45 points and they might lose this game. But if it's the defense that Dave Aranda has, you know, had for the most part during his time at Baylor, um, then the Bears should win this game fairly easily. Yeah, you
0: would, uh, you would hope so. You would think so. But that's, I guess, kind of rounding back to our kind of discussion at the beginning of the show is, like, it's, it's hard to say what we will see because you would think at different points this season, like, yeah, the defense is going to show up after that, and it doesn't necessarily happen, or the offense will be motivated by that, and it doesn't necessarily happen. So – ingredients are there for a big bounce back. The ingredients are there to go and take this victory, but whether or not the chefs in the kitchen want to actually go and do that, that's what we will see come Saturday when they run out in the field, basically. Um,
1: And, yeah, there's there's no other way to kind of – uh predicted i suppose yeah one other thing defensively for kansas they're 39th in the country they have 17 sacks this year um so a couple guys to keep an eye on lonnie phelps he's got eight and a half tackles for loss and six sacks so keep an eye on him he might be a little disruptive for the baylor uh offense then i was also going to say kobe bryant their cornerback but he might not play in this game at least he's not practicing today He's got two interceptions, including the pick six there in Morgantown. So he's a very good cornerback who's given people some problems. But in general, you know, this is one of those games that I I think is really a um, who are you type game. And, you know, we've said – I said must win for the West Virginia game. I felt that way. I still feel like this one's a must win, and I think it's fine to have multiple in a row. But this one is more about a program in my eyes, like – As a head coach, Dave Aranda, as a program in Baylor, you have to find a way to get your guys up for this game. You have to find a way to win a game in which you are the favorite, you have more talent, and you're a team that has been losing a few in a row. Um, you got to turn that table uh, if you want to be the program that I know Dave Aranda wants this program to be. This is a uh, man-up-or-shut-up type game in my eyes.
0: All right, you ready for some questions here? Let's do uh, it. Scotty B., the Baylor King, uh, how much improvement do you believe the run defense will improve from last game to this one? I certainly hope below 130 rushing yards against a good Kansas run offense.
1: Yeah, I you would hope, right? I, I do think that Baylor will make them somewhat one-dimensional. I think that's what that's the blueprint for them to win this game. So 130. That's a little I, low. Yeah. I, I think they'll hold them under 150. One thirty is, I think, slightly too low based on what we've seen.
0: Yeah, and uh, I would say this would be automatic, but then as of last week, like obviously, there's even some room to be desired there as far as the, the run defense goes. Uh, he says, anyways, want to give a shout out to Finn Bass from Baylor Men's Tennis winning the ITA Singles Championship over Pierce Rollins from A and M. Thanks, Scotty. Uh, Dak JD ninety and congrats to Finn Bass and Baylor Men's yeah. Tennis. Uh, Dak JD ninety, what's your ceiling and floor
1: for this team now midway through the season? man the floor for this team is they don't make a bowl and they go 5 and 7
0: uh yeah i'd say my best case is 8 and 4 my worst case is
1: like 4 and 8 4 and 8 so mm-hmm. win one more game the rest of the year yeah 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 i think i think my floor is 5 and 7 I still think they they've been in these games. Like it just takes a player there, you know, a play here or there to win a couple. But I mean, they, these three are the ones where you're going to get those. Cause if you're not beating these three teams, you're going to really struggle to finish the year off uh, my ceiling for this team though. You know, I, I want to say nine and three, but winning out seems very unrealistic. Um, so I'll probably say yeah. eight and four, eight and four is probably the ceiling. Yeah,
0: that's where I'm at, and, you know, I know it sounds crazy to think they'd only possibly win one more game, but you're looking at this one, and then you're going to Lubbock, and then you're going to Norman, and then you got K-State, and then you're going uh, to face TCU, who looks really good, and who you haven't beaten even when they've been bad, and then it's Texas and Austin, so... You know, if you see two or three wins in there, great. But uh, I'm having a hard time at the moment really getting too confident about, you know, them grabbing a couple of those games, given what we've seen here lately. But it's definitely possible. I mean, it's it's definitely possible. But um, they got to, you know, actually go out there and do it. So, yeah, I'll say, you know, grab one more win and then just kind of stumble along the rest of the way and, uh, you know, finish out eight and four. I think it would be a tremendous turnaround for this team. Uh, let's see here. Sammy Grace bear with the expected return of Khalil Keith. How much better does that make our run game? Who do you think will play at running back as that does change expectations. And, uh, we don't know the status of squirrel Williams after he was knocked out of last week's game with a concussion. Do we know Keith is playing? No. Yeah. So, I don't
1: know. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be his first game back. I mean, Aranda
0: ramped playing. up that he was coming back, but he did so in saying like he was getting into individual drills, which I, I think a lot of people took like, Oh, he's
1: back. And it's like, no, that's but ramping up. That was last week. Right? Yeah. So I so, even Should if be, he is back closer, speak, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not. So let's just say he does play. And let's, I guess in this, we have to hypothetically say he's back to 100%, which again, I think it'll take him a week or two to, to really get ramped up fully. Um, he helps the run game a lot, though. I mean, that, that's clear. That is 100% clear because even with Abram and Ebner, there were much bigger holes last year. And in large part because of Keith, he is just a monster. In the run game. So yes, he would help them immensely. Um, Who do you think will play at running back? Um, Richard Reese, Richard Reese seems (laughs) like Jones, I guess. Yeah, And if squirrels healthy in the relatively near future, those three and then hopefully, I mean, just it seems like Tay just can't get back on the field because they need him. I mean, he's just a different kind of running back than what they've been using. Uh, he is, but man, uh, we're going on five weeks without
0: seeing him at this point. So, I, I mean, best of luck to him and wherever he's at in his recovery. It'd be nice to see him, but uh, I don't know what to even assume at this point when you're, you've are you been out that long. Uh, I feel our quarterback two has more potential than Kansas' QB two, assuming both starters are out. However, KU has more experience, or Jason Bean. Uh, who do you think performs better overall? Again, I'm assuming Shapin does not start, as Aranda did not make it sound positive in the presser this morning. Uh, so I guess let's start there. I mean, yeah, I mean, zoom I away, I suppose. Um, I don't really have a strong le- leaning one way or the other as far as Shapin goes and whether or not he's going to play, but I like, I like Baylor's chances fine versus Jason Bean. I mean, I, that doesn't really make a huge difference to me. Like if Jalen Daniels was the question, then that would make a huge difference to me. Jason Bean's a good player. He's capable of beating Baylor, but he's not really where my focus is.
1: Yeah, I would be very surprised if Shapin doesn't play. Just based on everything I've heard, I I would be shocked if uh, he doesn't play in this game. So I I think that you got to take concussion seriously. So we'll see, you know, how things progress. But as of right now, I I feel like he will play. Um, But assuming it's QB two versus QB two. I mean, yeah, Kyron has more potential than, um, you know, the quarterback for Kansas, but I would also say that, you know, Jason Bean has done it more. He's He's played played a lot lot more more. than Kyron has. So he's got more experience with that. He's been a starter. Right. I mean, he was a starter most of last year. Yeah. So I, I don't, that's, that's the hard part is that he, he has done it more. So I think he might play better, but the thing of it is, I think Baylor overall is better. So, uh, even if he outplayed Kyron, that doesn't mean Kansas would win, though. If that makes sense. Sammy also asked, "Is there any way we
0: lose and still feel hopeful we finish above 500 this season?" No. Um, yeah, probably not.
1: No. No. You, you lose this game, you're you're not making a bowl. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Because if you can't beat Kansas at home, how are you going to go on the road at Tech for a night game? How are you going to beat TCU or K State or at Texas, even Oklahoma? Like they just beat Kansas. So yeah. I No, I don't think so.
0: The thing about Oklahoma, too, is people want to knock them right now, but they can still score when Dylan Gabriel's healthy. And this Baylor team, (laughs) right now, their problem is not being able to stop somebody. They're
1: 4-1 when Gabriel plays at least two quarters. And they're averaging 43.5 points, so yeah.
0: I've seen a couple of victory laps. lapses. Like, well, we'll win that game. And I'm like, okay, well, if you say so. Um, But, yeah, need to beat Kansas first. Bear 88. For a while, it has seemed like half of the – for a while, it has seemed like of the constants in BU football was Noah Rauschenberg kickoffs going through the end zone for no return. What is the issue in games
1: this year when we really needed that and instead got a way-too-long return by our opponent? Strategy, technique, or leg issue? I mean, he has still kicked a lot of them out of the end zone. It just has been the ones that he hasn't, it feels like have been super consequential. Um, but, I mean, like, your kicker's not going to kick every single one of the out of the end zone. I, you know, Rauschenberg hasn't been as dominant as he has been in the past, Uh, kicking it out but I still feel like he's been solid it's just the problem is is anytime it gets returned everyone just wants to blame him and it's like man they only got to return two kicks and you let both of them go for massive gains like that's not his fault
0: yeah I can't pinpoint what the wind was like on any given return or like the atmosphere things like that so I don't want to speculate too much and you know, I, I do know where you're coming from. However, if it seems like, yeah, if you just booted through the end zone, they might have avoided like a couple of losses. I um, mean, granted how big some returns have been. But but you got to make a
1: tackle every yeah, once in a while on Yeah, but it's special more teams. than
0: just uh, on the kicker. So uh, I don't know. To answer your question, um, I guess if it's something that continues on, we see like some returns this weekend, like maybe we'll finally broach the topic with Aranda and, and see if there's something up there. But, yeah, I think it's as much the coverage units as it is, you know, in terms of them getting really damaged by it. Um, it's, it's a combination of of both, but yeah, not sure exactly on, on why it's not as just automatic as it seemed to be for most of last year, uh, modem nine, you may have addressed this last week with the resurgence of TCU and tech. Do we think there's any type of negative effects on our recruiting that are recent due to our poor playing defense and the inability to win close games? Could our recent play have had negative perceptions on our recruits like players that are getting recruited by both the schools above that have
1: verbally committed to us? Um, yeah, go ahead, Grayson. Man. Yeah, well, first of all, let, let's get one thing clear. Tech's research. I was going to say, that's where I was like, I Guys, was really kind of like, They're 3-3. Yeah. Three and three. They made a bowl last year. <laughs> yeah, what are we talking about here? That's where I was about to stop yeah. down myself. What, yeah. are they like 8-0? Oh? It feels Alabama that way, now? the way it's talked about, yeah. Oh my gosh, this is just baffling to me. They are 3-3 three and three this year. So no, that nothing they are doing is, is really hurting Baylor recruiting-wise, like, I think TCU's is troubling because it's year one and it's going to allow them to get a lot of momentum. But there wasn't a ton of Baylor versus TCU in this recruiting class. There's only a few. It really was not a massive storyline in 2023. And Baylor got a lot of their commits early. And I think a lot of those guys believe in the Baylor program. And um, I understand why. You know, Aranda's got a Big 12 championship, TCU and Tech don't. Um, so, Keep that in mind. I know it's troubling, and everyone wants to point to recruiting and how it's going to drastically impact Baylor. But as we mentioned with the Sugar Bowl last year, I told you that wasn't going to pay massive dividends in last year's class. It paid dividends in 2023. So this, you know, bad year, you might maybe you lose one or two for various reasons. But I would say if you lose one or two, it's mainly going to be because you were going to lose them anyways, not because you had a struggle of a season.
0: Yeah, and I gave Tech credit earlier, and I made sure to point out that it was for how hard they're playing. Not that they're some great team, but how hard they're playing. And I think if we saw that level of effort and just kind of that, that nasty streak that we saw with Baylor last year, that's some of what's missing a little bit. But, yeah, in terms of, like, to make it sound as though, like, Tech's just having this great season and Baylor's just, like, this back of the pack, like, that's that's not true. Like, that's, that's not true. And, and it might feel that way to some people, but, like, wake up. And, and realize, like, they're in the exact same spot, and, you know, uh, both could be sitting at different records, but Baylor's, you know, I, I don't think that they just, you know, completely lost their, their place at this point. I just right. think that it's, you know, a rough year and a rough team so far, but uh, let's be realistic about who's done what as of late, like, who's actually done what and yeah. not just talked about what, with all due respect. Um Let's see here. Bear Coog, how big do you think that WVU game was for the mindset of our young, inexperienced wide receivers? Do you think we see more confidence and fewer drops over the rest of the season? I mean, Gavin Holmes is not a young, inexperienced wide receiver, but it was terrific to see him have the game that he did, 200-plus yards. Just fantastic showing and outing for him. It all gets lost in the loss. Like, I I just pointed out, like – him overcoming adversity on Twitter, but it's Twitter. And so people are like, well, I bet he'd have rather won. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, that wasn't the point of the tweet. The point was he's overcome a lot, and here he was getting 200-plus yards. Like, that was the point of the tweet. But I understand in the loss people are angry, especially after a loss like that. Uh, The unfortunate part is that he literally is out of room at this point. Like, there's no seventh, eighth year coming his way. So it's great to see him turn it on, but – uh, we're still kind of waiting for those younger guys to really flip that switch and there's little signs here and there, a little Hal Presley catch here and there or uh, you know uh, Monterey game, obviously so is stage. yeah the the kind of the lead do- uh, dog in the in the pack, if you will. Um, but, yeah, how big do you think that WVU game was?
1: Yeah, I think it was big. Hal getting in the end zone on that fourth and one, winning a one-on-one route, that was great to see. I, I think we need to see more. Um, you know, I also think Dabney is a guy to mention. Like, you mentioned yeah. him earlier. He had a very nice performance as well. Um, it felt like either Ben Sims wasn't playing his normal amount of snaps or that um, West Virginia was kind of taking him away. And it really allowed Dabney to shine. He's a very good player in his own right. So I think we'll see him emerge even more. But yeah, I mean, Hal and Monterey are kind of two guys that they really need to continue taking steps forward. And I think we might see that this week. Uh, Kansas will give you opportunities to take shots. And if uh, Blake Shapin is there, I I think they'll have opportunities. And I think they'll capitalize on them. Uh, Doc Crowell, the offense
0: was pretty decent in West Virginia. Do we see them keep that up, or was that just because they were against a bad secondary? I think it's, the offense is pretty okay. Uh, I think the offense is what's keeping you sitting there with at least a little bit of hope at the moment, um... I do think some of it was West
1: Virginia, but I I just think the offense is pretty good when they're, you know, not shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. I mean, West Virginia's secondary is one of the worst in the big 12. They're good against the run. So that's why, you know, they were able to make Baylor somewhat one dimensional. I mean, Baylor still had a few running moments here and there. It just wasn't consistent. Um, but yeah, the, the secondary for West Virginia is bad, but the Kansas secondary is even worse. And so uh, they'll be able to take advantage of them. There are a few other secondaries that are very uh, weak in the Big 12. But I think in my eyes, this was more about confidence. And I think Baylor's offense just needs to continue to get more confident. Because if they do, they have the talent. They have the skill to make plays on anyone. If you get Khalil Keith back, maybe Tay McWilliams, I do think things could open up a little bit more. If the winning doesn't improve, would you be worried about any recruits? I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Again, I think if recruits do decommit, it's more because they were going to decommit anyways, not because necessarily of a record or, or how Baylor's performing this year.
0: As unfounded as it may be, is there any fear about Aranda's recruiting versus rule? In other words, Baylor won the Big 12 with mostly rule recruits. Will there be the same high development
1: and upside to the kids coming in? See, I think this is very flawed in my eyes because I, I saw this generated this topic from a, a Longhorn guy
0: and a Horn Frog yeah. guy last week, almost like trolling fashion. Because I was like, when I first read it,
1: I was like, that seems like trolling to me. Right. So let me just break this, this down a little bit. If, if rule had come in, in a different situation and they had a higher ceiling of you know, their win-loss and weren't just taking whoever they could take to add to that 2017 class. I don't believe guys like Terrell Bernard fit their mold. Uh, Jalen Petrie wouldn't have fit their mold. Um, JT Woods would have, but – and Kalen Barnes. I mean, there's a few, but I think everyone points to hey, – Otto wouldn't have. Speed, he might have. Well, he might have been like yeah. Milton. Um, but Bernard and Petrie, no. Like, those two guys would not have been recruited by Matt Rule if they were in a different situation than when, you know, they came in. They took 29 commits and took a bunch of guys that they were just like, oh, we'll take a good football player here or there. But if you look at their track record after that, they didn't take guys like that. They wouldn't have. They were too slow, not the right build, didn't really fit what they were doing, and they ended up being great football players at Baylor. So I think that's kind of a – a misleading thing i will say you know taekwon that was a great get by rule and staff um you know gary i guess, gary was like a net positive Net even. I just. I think he was a positive. They won a Big Twelve title, and he was a big part of that. I know, but he didn't even play in the Big Twelve title game. He was dreadful in the Sugar Bowl. Like
0: I think his uh, his uh, appearance behind the scenes was as important as, as anything. I mean, yeah. you talk about like having some backbone and working and putting mm-hmm. your head down and and not making excuses and like just having a driving focus. And I think a lot of the intangibles they're
1: missing this year. I think yeah. went out the door with Gary. Yeah, and I mean, Aranda could have kept him if he would have not named a starter Um, sure so yeah i mean i i understand that everyone wants to look at and say oh he just won with rule guys but i want to bring up the recruiting part i also want to bring up the fact that none of those guys turned a corner under matt rule all those guys turned their corner developmentally under dave aranda because dave aranda put them in much better positions to succeed and that's huge i mean what was jalen petrie doing under matt rule when he was there, he was doing nothing. He was a guy who didn't even really have a position. They were trying to figure out what to do with him. Dave Veranda comes in, puts him in great positions to succeed at that star position. Uh, JT Woods, he was flourishing, but he really took another step under Dave Veranda. Same with Terrell Bernard. I, I just think people get too caught up in that and don't realize you know, what Dave Veranda did. And also, I mean, how are they getting Apu with Matt Rule? They're not getting Apu. And he was one of the biggest impact guys on that roster a year ago. So, and the offensive line, Jacob Gall, uh, Grant Miller—they're not coming to Baylor without uh, Dave Veranda. So, I, I would I think need to caution people on that, and and really go dive deep into the depth chart and the roster, and really see who was brought in by who, and who developed who, because Dave Veranda did most of that leg work.
0: Bear Sack, the inconsistent performances from our players is surprising this year given player development and performance we saw from last year's team. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that's what we've kind of been searching for and discussing kind of like the differences from last year and this year, the last couple of years and this year, and uh, I've clearly not been able to pinpoint it exactly. I've you know, tried to kind of explain through a random words, like just working with a different kind of young person in this group versus what they were working with, with the Jalen Petrie types of guys. Um but outside of that, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean that makes some sense that you're just working with a different type of per- you know group of guys, and it's a different team, so naturally. Um, but outside of that, I, I can't explain why, uh, outside of just a lack of experience and kind of edge that's been built up over time, I think there's a lot of guys that are still learning how to build that, and this is still a young team in many ways. And it's just, I don't know, but uh, how else to kind of, wrap my head around that otherwise I don't have a great explanation or succinct answer
1: yeah I'm not sure Dave Miranda has one no either, he
0: he clearly you know? doesn't as somebody who's listened to hours of him at this point yeah. like he, he's as of last night he's searching himself for the I, answer
1: you know I think the losses um early in the year you know when you're losing that game to BYU and a close one you lose to Oklahoma State you know it kind of I don't want to say it makes sense or it's fine, but those two games kind of were like, okay, you lost those two. That's fine. You can still win a big 12 championship. You, you still have an identity. Like those were close games. This West Virginia one was just one of those where you're like scratching your head and wondering what is going on with this team. I can't explain it. It was unlike anything I've seen uh, since Dave Randa became head coach outside of the Oklahoma state game in during COVID, which so different. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really don't have an explanation outside of kind of what you said, Craig.
0: Dave Aranda doesn't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. And um, you know, until he finds an answer, I doubt that we're going to stumble upon it. But that's the best that I can gather is just different type of different type of group, uh, basically. Uh, DWH 1845. Can you explain the play of number 72 on the blocked extra point? Can't explain it. No, brought it up earlier. Uh, Didn't to start move at all. Have no idea what was going on there, um, and wish would you know in hindsight uh, somebody would have been like, "Hey, Dave, you yeah. know, like this particular blocked extra point play, can you break this down for us?" Uh, that would have been nice to have had during the press conference, but unfortunately, uh, nobody, including myself, went that direction. But yeah, I'd love to know what exactly was going on there, but uh, have no idea. Uh, that that was that was baffling to see the day afterwards, and. Uh, I'm sure that's had to have been addressed, <laughs> like, if, if not, but I'm sure it has. Uh, but, yeah, w- would love to know myself. Yeah. McCl- um, we what? have two
1: more? or Yeah, two more questions. Okay.
0: McClendon Bear 18, to me this season makes me think Baylor's a program that can win seven or eight games consistently, but can you have everything click with experienced players every few years and compete for conference titles like last year instead of a program that actually competes for titles every year? Um, do you agree or disagree? Uh, mm. But So, I guess – they can win seven or eight games consistently, but every couple of years can have like that inex- uh, can have that experienced group like last year's and can go on a run, um, but can't necessarily do it year after year after year, no matter the wavering of the the roster.
1: Yeah, you know, I would have said that. <sighs> I think that they can do that. I think they can turn into a team that does compete for conference titles and does win 10 games nearly every year. Kind of like what Oklahoma state has done uh, with that 10, you know, winning 10 games so many times as consistently as they have. Uh, But I also think Baylor will have some years where they, you know, do go through some ebbs and flows. Um, So yeah, I, I think you will see some ups and downs, I guess, but in general, this team should win no less than eight games every year. Like, with what they've built with the new big twelve, like if you're winning less than eight games, you're not truly the upper echelon of your conference. And so I think they need to get to that point, and I think they can. I think they can be a team that rattles off ten win seasons rather consistently. There's a lot of middle ground between
0: twelve and two and two and seven, which yeah. is what they've been under Dave Aranda. I mean, that's a pretty big gap, and there's a lot of room to fall in between and um I think you know having them around 7 at worst pretty much every year is is pretty fair um in that middle ground. I think it'd be ridiculous to assume they're going to win 9 and 10, you know, every 2 years or every year. Um but to be in the mix to firmly do that um I I think is definitely reasonable. I mean if not now when are you going to expect them to, to really kind of be that because everything they built towards is to be exactly that, is to compete every single year and be at the top of the Big 12 every year. And everything's pretty much in place to do that at this point, um, outside of just, you know, I guess chemistry this year and experience and whatnot. But even still, you can see the path, even though the results haven't been there, to where. You know, to say nine wins this year wouldn't have been ridiculous if you really look at it. I mean, they could arguably be at, like, five or six right now already. Um, so, you know, it's not always going to break that way, and clearly it hasn't broken that way this year. But I think to assume, you know, an eight-win season pretty much every year or in that vicinity, that's that's not too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, nine and ten every year, like, yeah, okay, now you're a little bit selfish and, you know, that's a little greedy, but, you know, not, not that far off. Uh, McClendon Bear also asks, uh, when do you think our next strongest season occurs? Personally, I think 2024 with senior Blake Shapen and experienced skill position guys are best shot since we'll have so much experience on O-line and D-line next year. Thanks as always. Uh, so much inexperience on O-line and D-line next year. Thanks as always for the podcast. Look forward to it every week. Well, thank you, McLennan Bear, for listening. Appreciate you and appreciate the questions.
1: Yeah, I would say this all depends on what the schedule looks like next year. Because over the past few years, it's the odd years that Baylor really targets for their great years because you get five home games, four road games. Um, So that's why 2019 and 2021, they flowed so well because the schedules were rather easy. Um, And so now with 2023, you got these new teams coming in. So I don't know what the schedule is going to look like. Um, I don't know if Baylor will get more home games next year. They should since they had to take a step back this year. Um, So if that continues to be the case, then it's the odd year. So I would say next year is actually the year. I know they'll be young, but I think they're going to add transfers, and I think they're going to be very good. They're going to have a lot of experience returning at skill positions and a returning quarterback, and um, there's going to be a lot of reasons for optimism next year, especially if the schedule is as easy as I think it could be.
0: All right, so there's the mailbag, and do appreciate everybody's questions. Everybody, I think, is kind of in the same you know, spot as far as, you know, sort of worried about what the rest of this season holds, but also sort of optimistic that they can turn this around, but wary that they'll actually do it. And I think we're all kind of right there in that same sweet spot at the moment and very curious as to see, Uh, you know what occurs this weekend because I think we'll see this result and then kind of go from there. If they lose this game, then they're not making a bowl. They're not making a bowl game. If they win this game, then you know everything's pretty much still out there for them outside of you know a playoff or whatever. But you know I think you'd just take them being respectable and getting to a bowl and you know at least making a little run at the title, at the Big Twelve title, if at all possible, would all be you know fine in the long run. But uh, it's kind of all hinging on this weekend, no doubt. So, uh, Grayson, uh, speaking of this weekend, let's close
1: it out with some Big 12 picks. All right. So, in the Big 12 this week, let's start with 2 p.m. on FS1. West Virginia travels to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. West Virginia coming off the big one over Baylor. Tech coming off of a bye. Uh, Tech is a seven-point favorite. The over-under is 67.5.
0: Yeah, give me tech here. It's in Lubbock. Um, that kind of tips it for me, and I think their quarterback room is now healthy. So whether it's Donovan Smith or Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton, uh, Joey's going to have all his quarterbacks available for the first time, I guess, since the season started. Um, and that's been a bugaboo for them, the quarterback spot, although Baron Morton looked pretty good uh, last last time out. He certainly appears to be the future, but with Shuck available, that's that's interesting that they might you know finally get to throw him out there and have him kind of – guide them the rest of the way uh but yeah give me give me tech in this one i think west virginia emptied the chamber against baylor in so many ways as far as luck and just kind of all that goes and uh, they got themselves a nice win but um well, I think they're probably better than given credit for. I don't think they're great by
1: any means. Give me give me Texas Tech at home. Yeah, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Tech's going to be able to exploit their secondary. I still think West Virginia will move the football, though, and put up some points. I think it'll be very close. West Virginia's been in every game they've played for the most part this year outside of that one in Austin. Um, so, yeah, I think this will be a good game. Uh, I'll take Tech 34-30. I think it'll be a close one, though. Another close Big 12 game. Uh, What else is new? Uh, Next up on ABC at 2.30, Texas travels to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma State, of course, is coming off of a loss to TCU, their first loss of the year. Texas coming off of what was a uh, fairly controversial win over Iowa State over the weekend. Texas is a six-point favorite. The over-under is 62 points. Well, you know that they're back
0: when they're starting to get those types of wins again where it just— just managed to uh,
1: to get pull out the sprinkler head and trip Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah,
0: like basically stuff like that starts to happen. You're like, oh, no, they're starting to get those kind of breaks again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, give me Texas in this one. Um I, I think Oklahoma State is a very good team. I think playing at Stillwater would be tough, but Spencer Sanders is not healthy at the moment, or at least doesn't appear so. And uh, something just seems a, a little off with them. That was a tough loss against TCU. I think they'll be highly motivated, but the Sp- Sanders health question has me a little bit leery about what they're
1: going to do against Texas. Yeah, I got Oklahoma State here. Um, I think people are giving way too much credit for Texas for beating a bad Iowa State team and really getting lucky in doing so. Uh, I also will point out, this is Quinn Ewer's first road game as a college football player. Um, And your first road game is in Stillwater. He played in Dallas. Yeah, that's not a road game. That's a neutral game. You get half the crowd.
0: I mean, it's technically a road game if we really want to get down to it. But yeah, we can move on. Why is it a road game? Because it's not in Austin, Texas. It's a road game. It's a
1: neutral. That's a neutral site game. That is not okay. a road game.
0: I don't want to bog down in the minutia of whether or not that's that, in Austin or not. Grayson, it's not that serious of a conversation. It's it's a neutral site game, what have you. I was just mostly joking. Let's move along here. <laughs>
1: well, he's going. It's not a home game. No. Well, no? Yeah, it's a neutral game. So okay. he's going it's to Brooklyn Stadium yeah. for his first road game. And he's taking on Oklahoma State, who Oklahoma State is still a very good team. Texas six-point favorite. Way too much there. Oklahoma State's going to win this game. I think it'll be a good one, though. Um, But I got the Cowboys 31-27 getting the big win there. Next up, 7 p.m. on FS1. Kansas State travels to Fort Worth to take on TCU. Uh, TCU's a -a 3.5-point favorite. The over-under is 55.5. K-State is coming off of a bye. Uh, TCU is coming off the uh, big win over Oklahoma State in double overtime.
0: Give me TCU in this one. Uh, I think they keep the good times rolling. I do think it'll be a tough game, and I do feel like this one might uh, might get decided late. Uh, I like K State still, although you know I'm still very curious about you know them throwing the football on the regular basis. But um, this isn't like a lockdown TCU defense like we got accustomed to with Gary Patterson. And as far as like oh they're gonna shut down the K State run and just you know I don't feel like that that's who this team is, but they can score.
1: So give me the uh, Frogs at home. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Kansas State in this one. Um, I think, you know, TCU's defense, I'm not sold on it at all. Um, They're a favorite in this game, but they just had to go up against a lot of plays against Oklahoma State, play a very physical game against the Cowboys. K-State got a bye week, got all this time to prepare for them. I like K State here. Um, I think they're going to find a way to get this win. 37 uh, 33, another very close game, but uh, I like the Wildcats. And then finally, uh, on ESPN 2 at 11 a.m., Kansas travels to Baylor um, to take on the Bears. Baylor is a seven and a half point favorite now. Over under is 59 and a half. Kansas coming off the loss to Oklahoma. Baylor coming off the loss against West Virginia. Who you got in this one? I'll take Baylor. Um,
0: You know, it's at home. They're favored. Uh, They should win this game. Uh, That's why. Uh, I have nothing really scientific behind it other than that. I don't have a whole lot of, you know, confidence. I wouldn't, you know, feel... Uh, too bad putting some money down in this game because I'm, I'm pretty confident they'll win this one, but I have no confidence in like, you know, yeah, I fully know they're going to come out of the gates and they'll come out. Like, I have no idea what we're going to see from Baylor, but if they come out with the pulse and they come out excited, ready to play, then they should win this football game. And if they don't, and they show up like they have at other times, then we'll, we'll probably see the results they've seen at other
1: times. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this team. Yeah, the season is on the line. It's homecoming, uh, an opportunity to snap this losing streak. Uh, I think Baylor wins and covers. Um, I like the Bears here. I, I think they. I think this is a good matchup for them when they're able to run the football. They're able to move the chains offensively. A lot of opportunities in the pass game as well. Um, so I'm going to take the Bears here, uh, 38 to 21. I, I think they win rather convincingly against the Jayhawks.
0: Well, that'd be nice. So there hasn't really been a win like that uh, so far this year, except for maybe, I don't know, Albany, uh, I guess, which seems like a few weeks ago at this point. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty much nail biters uh, most of the way, especially here in Big 12 play. So, um, yeah, uh, the season continues on. Homecoming on Saturday, KU, and the terrific season that they've had, Baylor, and the you know kind of up-and-down season they've had, both worlds will collide, and somebody's getting a big win. Uh, and coming out of this game, you know, we'll see where, where it takes the Bears. But a win would go a long way, you would certainly think. A loss, well, that would really really put them in a bit of a corner uh, with just a few games to go. But uh, we will see what happens. Appreciate everybody for listening, as always. And uh, we'll be discussing the result and how it unfolded and every other you know, news, bite, and whatever comes from this game
1: and from this program over the next few days when we talk to you next Tuesday. But uh, until next time, Grayson, anything before we go? No, just of course, Sikkim 365 Premium side, all kinds of content and news and anything you could want on football, football recruiting, basketball, um, women's basketball, every sport. We have that covered. And of course, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, 365 Sports Radio to keep you updated with all things college football. All
0: right, until next time, appreciate everybody behind the scenes, and uh, we will talk to you next week. This has been the BearCast on Sikkim365.com and 365 Sports.